Dr. Martin Luther King said, nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Welcome to another podcast that we like to call Wise Counsel. Let's go. The most important piece only because if you don't take care of this particular side, all of those other things won't really work, right? You have to be able to understand how to kind of set some things up. We're going to be talking about uh, grant writing 501c3, um, what that needs to look like, how it needs to be developed. And I'm telling you this, um, sometimes we, we set businesses up to be uh, for profits when they probably should be not for profits, right? And the other way around, uh, because you have to know what is the proper way to get it done. My wife and I, we have um, we had a house that we actually turned into an assisted living facility as well. Um, I, we did it through our church. It worked great, um, but it was it was better for us to make sure that it was a not-for-profit that could still show uh, financial uh, gains as opposed to having something that we had to show that we were just kind of dumping all the money off. You see what I'm saying? And if you don't have anybody that helps you uh, develop that and understand that, then you could be possibly losing out on tens of thousands of dollars that you really could have had in your pocket, all right? Um, so we have Miss Jackie Reasons here with us today. She is going to be talking with us about 501c3, nonprofits, how to set up your business. Come on, let's put our hands together for her. Hello. My name is Jacqueline Idolette Reason. Everybody calls me Jackie. So... I'm Jackie. And yes, I'm here to talk about what I call grant and contract ready. So before I get started, I want to let you know that what we're going to talk about today is based upon my experience. Okay, I've developed a lot of uh, training materials. I've developed a lot of presentations that I go and make. But it's all made and all developed based upon my walk, my journey getting into nonprofit, having to learn to write grants, what I've experienced, because when I got into it, I had nobody that I can go to. There was nobody that had any idea, so I had to figure it all out, and it took years, lots of mistakes, things of that nature. So based upon that experience, I've been able to really, really, really develop some very, very strong um, information that I like to share with other business owners that are trying to get started because you do need to know the truth about grants because there's a lot of people, I get a lot of calls about grants, okay? So first of all, Ms. Lois, could you pass out those handouts for me, please? So I'm gonna, the name of what we're talking about today is successful grant writing, right? All right, and I prefaced it with an important discussion with small business and nonprofit operators. So I'm going to use my little handout because once I get started and I settle down a little bit, I can go on and on and on about it. So I'm going to do a lot of reading, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to talk about the things that I'm telling you about. So a little bit about me. I'm the founder and CEO and executive director of Grow Nonprofit Services Corporation. And I was born and raised in Gifford, Florida. Who's familiar with Gifford? All right. Gifford, Florida. 
A lot of people say Vero. I'm from Gifford, okay? So my career started with 10 years working in corporate human resources. I was down in South Florida. I moved down there when I was about 21 years old. Had never really left Gifford for anything other than maybe a summer vacation. When I got to Miami, it was like, what? What? Just everything about it was, it was just overwhelming and it was like, okay, what is, and it was, it was exploration time. So I can't tell you how much fun I had exploring Miami. But one thing I will tell you is I, that's where my learning started because the friends that I made, and I do believe that God put every one of the people that I met in Miami, Florida, in my life for a reason. But the people that I met, the friends that I developed, even the, the, the young man that I dated, I would sit in the room and they would be talking about things like their investments and houses. They were buying houses and they were doing all of these things and I'm kind of like, okay, what are they talking about and how are they doing this? Because we're really, really, really young. Again, I'm from Gifford, okay? Gifford is this big. My goal, my career objective at that time was to be a secretary. That's, the, that's what I saw as being successful. If I could be a secretary, I had taken all the classes in school, I was good at it, okay? And that's what I went down there to be, and I was that. But as I continued to hang out with these people and they were talking about all the things they were achieving, made me understand, number one, Jackie, you way behind that. You, you need to figure this out. How are they doing this? Yes. So I had to get busy. So I ended up getting a job in corporate human resources. I worked for a bank, worked for a manufacturer, ended up working for a hospital, and I was able to go to the, to as high in the hospital as a human resource manager. But when I was a recruiter, that's when I found a niche that became a passion for me and it remains a passion today. So one of the things my job required me to do was recruit people. Job, job openings, have people come in, interview. And one of the things that I noticed is every time we had a job that, was not, that wasn't in housekeeping and it wasn't in the kitchen, we never got people of color applying for them. And I, that was questionable. The other thing that happened is we had a, a program, we had a, in Allied Health, the two-year careers, we had a lot of young people coming in and they were being travel professionals. So your travel physical therapists, your nurses, things of that nature. But we never had any people of color coming in and they were so young and we were giving them $10,000 sign-on bonuses, we were paying for college and we were paying their expenses and we had all this stuff going on and I'm just like, how did I not know this? How did I not know this? So long story, and, and the other thing that stuck out when I was in that position was the 401k plans. The difference in the account balances was absolutely absurd from people in our community. First of all, we didn't even have them. 
And then with the younger people, they were leaving there loaded. So my mind was, what is going on? Why, what's happening? Why am I in the dark? And I couldn't let them know I was in the dark. I had to start figuring it out. That became a passion for me. And once I came back home, that's how I got into nonprofit. I started working with an organization called um, the Gifford Youth Activity Center. It hadn't, be, hadn't been built yet. I was hired to work along with the executive director to get, to get the project up and going. That happened. While we were there, I listened to the board every time I went to the board meeting. And they kept telling the executive director because what they were, what the Gifford Youth Activity Center did was after school programs, phenomenal after school programs. They were very, very well um, attended, very well funded. But the building sat empty during the day, nine to three, nothing. Whole staff there, nothing going on. The board kept saying to him, we need programs during the day. Figure it out. We need to use this building during the day. I kept, he never went to the board with an idea. So I decided to put one together and give it to him. So I put an idea together. I had a concept, had a thought, gave it to him, had him present it to the board. The board said, nope, don't want it. It's too big. It would require too much. What he didn't know is I had written a grant because I was confident they were going to say yes. I just wrote the grant. I didn't know how to write a grant. I just followed what they asked, and I sent it in. Ended up being chosen for the grant, and it was close to a million dollars. The board had turned it down. So the funder came and asked me, okay, we've obligated this money. We do not want to give it back. You need to take this money. So I'm kind of like, okay. Uh, so that's how I ended up getting into nonprofit and getting into grants, okay? It was a state grant, and they gave me 60 days to be operational. That's where you need relationships. Right. It was all about the relationship then because you had to find a building, and of course the building I found, it was condemned. They thought I was crazy. But there was one gentleman who believed in the vision and he said, Jackie, I'm gonna call in. I got one favor down at the county. I'm gonna use it on you. So he went down and they were able to get the building renovated and we were up and going in 60 days. I had no clue what I was doing. Wow. All I was doing was following the vision right. and that's it. Okay, so that's how I got into nonprofit. That's how I got into writing grants. I've, I'm a believer in lifelong learning, and I am definitely a promoter of self-investment, okay? Now, I moved to Brevard in 2012, and since 2012, I have been working to restructure and rebuild the original vision to turn it into a model that's going to be able to really touch lives such as yours and in other places. Okay, so I've been in Titusville now for six to 26, 2016, and we've repurposed the continue and the con made the continuation of GROW. That was the name of our nonprofit in Gifford, Giving Rewarding Opportunities to Work. 
It was all about giving information and giving opportunities for people to come in and do those jobs, learn those jobs. And we also focus very heavily on business. So we target um, the community and faith-based organizations and visionaries of color. Our organization is focused on capacity building service and leading projects that support successful startup and sustainability of small businesses such as yours. Grant and contract ready and applied entrepreneurship, those are our programs. And, and through these programs, we have really focused very heavily on the grant writing, the 501c3 um, piece. So a little bit about the grant writing success. Now, what we've heard today, we've heard about some big visions. They're definitely extraordinary and they're attainable. But what we're going to talk about is about a little person such as myself and yourself who really have to start from scratch and, and build these things. What are the steps? So I wrote my first grant, 1999, became a nonprofit leader in 2000. So far, I've gotten a little bit over $2 million for my little small business operations. That may not be a lot to some, but that's a lot when you're a little small business, okay? I've gotten 131,000 in small business loans, but it was specifically to expand and integrate some for-profit training um, initiatives. And we've gotten funding from private foundations, um, government organizations, the SBA. And we're currently in the final stage of grant approval for a community transformational project in the North Brevard area up in Titusville. Right now, we're projecting it at, to be at about 300, but it may very well end up being about a half million. And we do have a funder that, is, that has given an oral commitment. They're waiting on bids in order to give us the final commitment. I do want to say at this point that I have exponentially had more grants denied than approved. I want to start there, okay? So let's talk about what is successful grant writing. So success is the accomplishment or the attainment of one's goal. So the goal of grant writing probably for everyone is to be selected as a recipient of a grant award. That means you're getting some money that does not have to be repaid. That's, that's the attraction of the grant. So successful grant writing can be perceived as the receipt of a check or direct deposit into your business bank account in response to a submitted grant application or proposal. Is that correct? Is that what you, okay. However, what I want to start by saying is the grant writing, that grant writing does not end until the final report of a grant is submitted to the funder and evaluation and outcome is complete. That's when it ends. Getting the check is the start. You got to make the program work. You got to get the successful outcomes in order for that grant writing process to be completed and to be successful and for it to help support you getting another one. Okay? So I put a little diagram, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't have time to send this to put on the um, screen. Hopefully you can read it. I know it's a little small, but color costs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> color costs. So I'm just going to read very briefly 
the steps in the grant writing process. One is to identify a need and a focus. Next, to, to find prospective funders to develop general proposals and, and a budget, to submit a letter of inquiry, to receive a request for formal application, to prepare a specific pro proposal, to submit your proposal before the deadline, the agency reviews your proposal, you'll receive an award letter, they didn't put if you were selected, you will receive an award letter, you will accept or decline the award. In most cases, you're gonna have something in, your pre, in the pre-application that says you have a certain amount of time to change your mind. If you don't change your mind and you get an award, you're taking this money, okay? Then you need to carry out the project. And lastly, in the end of the process, is to file reports with your funding agencies, okay? Grant writing is a competitive process and a continuous process. Now, I start here because when I get phone calls about grant writing, the question is, hey, Ms. Jackie, I heard you write grants. Can you help me write a grant so I can get money to start my business? So for me, I can't say yes to that question because already what you're expecting is we're going to write this grant, we're going to turn it in, and somebody gonna say, here you go, you got a check. You have to understand, when you write a grant and you submit it, you are competing with a whole lot of other people that's asking for the same amount of money. Funders have a limit on what they have to give. So they're gonna look at your proposal just like they will a business plan or anything else, and they're gonna evaluate it. And they're gonna pick the one that is going to give them the most return on their investment. Even if you're a 501c3, it's just different types. And we're gonna talk about what that return is shortly, okay? So to compete, your organization must first be eligible and responsive. That's where most times everybody is already out of the race. Cause you're either not eligible or you don't have the ability to be responsive. When I say be responsive, that means here comes an announcement on your computer. We have this funding opportunity for small businesses. We're gonna give you $50,000 or we're gonna award $50,000 to 10, 10 new businesses or 10 nonprofits and they give you your criteria. However, you have to respond in three weeks. Okay, now, when that application comes, it also has a list of things that you need to be able to submit in order to be considered responsive. Over the years, I have collected a list and developed a list of 40, over 40 items. Right now it's at 44 different items. And what I'm, not, what I'm saying is those are the different things I've been asked for. I'm not saying every grant asks for that. But over the years, there are 44 different items that I've had to be able to submit to at least one funder in order to be considered responsive, okay? So eligible and responsive, and responsive, being able to be responsive are the keys. 
I do want to talk a little bit about contracts and bids as well because we're going. I'm talking to people who may have nonprofits and who may have may have for profits. How many are anybody anybody in here doing a nonprofit or is everybody for profit? None, none. Okay, all right. So, grants versus contracts. Grants are used. A larger percent is directed toward nonprofit organizations. A larger percentage require 501c3s. Even though grants are available to nonprofits that do not have 501c3s, the majority of them are going to ask for a 501c3. There's no payment and no, no repayment, no penalties, no profit. And there's a heavy focus on social issues, research, health, education, and innovation. You determine the works and the services to be provided, the timeline, and the outcome. This is a grant we're talking about. On occasion, you may find a grant where they'll give you some guidance, but in most cases in a grant, you decide what the work is and what the services that you're going to propose and ask them to fund. Matching funds could be required for, for grants. What I mean by that is you may have a funder who have $250,000 to give, but they may tell you you need a 10% match. That means you need $25,000 either in cash, in-kind donations, um, revenue, assets. You need to be able to match them some kind of way. So for them, you're making an investment in your own vision. That's what they're saying you're going to have to do. Okay? So matching funds could be required. With contracts and bids, a larger percentage is directed toward for-profit businesses. And it's beneficial to be a minority, woman, veteran, or disabled certified business. No repayment. You can be penalized under a contract, and profit is okay. It's available for pretty much everything. The scope of work, including the timeline and outcomes, however, are provided to you in the contract announcement. That means you have to bid on what they want you to do. So the difference is the grant is what you're proposing, the contract is what they need, okay? And I wanted to talk, mention bids and contracts because you're for profits and because a larger percentage is available to, not, to for profits, the contracts and bids, you really need to think about that as an option as well as we're talking about this because many of, many of the things we talk about, you need for both. So it's, it, was, it would be remiss for me to not mention the contracts and bids and that many other things we're going to talk about needs to be in order for those as well. And you will probably need funds up front for a contract. Okay, so the gentlemen that have been up, they've talked about their relationships with the banks, and have you heard many of them talk about them starting with a grant? Or did they pretty much have to figure out how to get started on, on their own? And how did they had to develop relationships with lenders? They had to find other sources. Grants were supplements, but they were not the primary source of funding, okay? That's a very important thing that you need to keep in mind. So let's talk about facts, a few facts about grants. Number one, they're very challenging for small organizations and businesses. They're challenging because 
we don't have a lot of numbers and our reach is very small. So when funders are looking to fund, unless they're specifically asking for small businesses, you're going to be competing with the United Way, uh, American Cancer Society. You're gonna be com competing with huge organizations. So if you're a small company and you're gonna bid on, uh, I'm sorry, not bid, but you're gonna propose on grants that are open on a national level, on a state level, understand your competition is going to be much, much, much greater. In order for that, in order for you to compete, you're gonna have to have a niche that is amazing. You're gonna have to have numbers. You're gonna have to have reach. I would tell you, you're not gonna do that alone. You're gonna have to collaborate. You're gonna have to partner. You're gonna have to work with other people in order for you to be able to compete with on a national level, on a state level. Even on a local level with local grants, you still have competition because if a grant comes open right now for a small business, everybody in here is gonna apply for that grant. So now you're comp competing against each other, right? Even on a local level. So how are you gonna stand out? So nonprofits and, and applying for grants is so similar to for-profits and applying for a business loan or asking for an investment. You have to have the same things in place. Have to have the same things. Limited grants are available to start for a for-profit business. I usually tell people, because this is true, I have not, over my years in looking for a grant, ever read an announcement that offers money to start a for-profit business. Not once. Now, I have run across a couple of government programs, the SBIR and the STTR program, that does offer money to start for-profit businesses. However, they have to be in innovation, healthcare, and they have to be, I think we're on the next, nope, I've skipped, I'm sorry. Let me tell you what page we're on with that. Okay, I've already skipped all the way back to page 13, and we're gonna have to go back. Those grants are specifically for startup and expansion, but it's focused on innovation and demand. They're looking for for-profits that have innovations that society is willing to pay for, that they're scalable to the masses, and they affect health and the way humans live, they prepare for the future, Size, capability, and time in business is also very important. So well, let's talk, let's look at commercialization, something society is willing to pay for and scalable to the masses. Can anybody think of anything that meet those criteria that probably has been funded by a grant? There's a lot of them. Just think about things you use every day, your cell phone, that's something that's a fundable for-profit venture. Okay, what Elon Musk does, he's not paying for that. The federal government is giving him money to do that. Okay, 
that's not, he's not spending one penny. That underground uh, train he's got going out there in California, he's not paying for that. That's because those things are ch changing our future. They're changing the way, our way of life. The vaccine for COVID, all those things were fundable, whether they're for profit, not for profit. That's extreme, but that's what they're gonna, if you're for profit, those are the type of things they're looking for. It has to be scalable. It has to be uh, uh, something that is going to be uh, able to go out to the masses and really affect society. Starting a restaurant, a food truck, a salon, or something like that, no. So that's why I went to that level, because I need for you to understand, no. They're not going to do it. Because if they do that, everybody would, would, have a, would, have, would be able to start a business. There's no challenge in it if they're going to give everybody money to start things like that. The, these businesses that we start, they make money, but we really have to work at it, and we have to find other ways. Okay? So I'm going to jump back to the facts about grants. Grants should not be the primary source of funding and should be balanced with other sources of revenue. Pastor Salter, I was very happy to see when I walked in the cafe. It's those types of things that have to be done when you're a nonprofit. You have to be innovative and you have to think about what, how can I generate money with what I have? I don't care if it's a printer. What can you do with that printer to generate some money? It may not be a lot of money, but generate what you can. The next thing, when you generate it, please put it in the bank before you spend it. Otherwise, it, it's like you never got it. It has to go through the bank. That goes for for-profits and not-for-profits. And not I see too many for-profit businesses where people are making money, a lot of money, but it doesn't go to the bank. They get the money, they go straight to the mall, they go out to dinner, they hang. The money is not helping you like that. It has to go through a bank account in order for it to be counted, especially when you're talking about building wealth, a legacy, buying a home, a car. You cannot use that money if it is not accounted for, okay? Um, grants are available through corporations, other nonprofits, private and public foundations, and the government. Your local government offers grants. State and federal grants are also available. Startup or product creation with certain grant funds gives ownership and unrestricted use to the funder in many cases. So if you do find a grant opportunity to start a for-profit, please make sure you read the entire thing because they will disclose whether or not what you create with that money is yours or theirs. They will disclose whether if it's yours, they have unrestricted use. You need to read everything, okay? So a few key grant writing elements that you need to have, one is time. That is probably one of the bigger, bigger ones. You need to have time to do the research and to actually write. You need to be available to nurture and develop the business and the organization. 
that's very important. Passion is important because it's going to come out in your proposal or your application. If you cannot bring that passion out, you don't stand a chance, okay? You have to be invested. So you cannot ask for a grant if you don't have time invested, money invested, other people invested. You got to have something invested in it. You need to be persistent. Again, I've had way more applications denied than I have approved. And I got binders and binders of them to show you. There was a lot of time and effort. Sometimes you write the grant because you need to just expose your program to people. I know I'm not going to get this grant, but it's going to go in. It's going to go before some eyes, and there's a set of eyes I've been trying to get to for a long time. So if I submit this proposal, okay, I've planted a seed. Okay, so you have to be persistent. You have to keep going. You have to keep doing it. Just keep doing it. When you get discouraged, you might have to take a break, but then you got to try it again. The more you do it, the more skilled at it you become, okay? And you have to be patient. That's very important as well. You have to be patient, and you have to really, truly believe in what you're doing. And, you, ha and, you know, there are times when you, when you have a vision and you're passionate about it and you, people see it, you get other people that will buy into it, and then you can get a little help. Like Ms. Lois, Ms. Lois had jumped in to help me, and I'm so helpful, so thankful for it because I, I was starting to struggle there. I was starting to go underwater, but she, she believes in the vision, and she's helping. So a couple of the skill sets, some of the fundamental skill sets, I like to tell people, okay, this is when your high school education is going to start to kick in. Some of those classes we were talking about, why do I have to do this? <laughs> I'm never going to use it. Well, that English and grammar, that business math, that computer research, even a little bit of science, okay? Because you got to do, you got to, uh, you got to, you have to pull your number. You got statistics, all of that. All of that is required when you're putting together your budget, when you're, when you're looking at your program performance and you're having to report to your funders and you're having to market what you're doing to get other people to buy in, to get donors and things of that nature. So you need all of those skill sets in order to really successfully be able to write grants. Your leadership and management skills that you need are planning, Time management, budgeting, communication, presentation, data analysis, problem solving, and relationship building. Okay? So you need a certain skill set. On the next page, we're going to talk a little bit about eligible and responsive. Responsiveness, again, is the primary barrier to grant writing for small, small organizations and businesses. Eligibility could include things such as your business structure. So when a, when a funder is asking for um, proposals or applications, they're going to probably say it's open to small businesses, nonprofits without a 501c3, 
501c3 organizations, universities are going to tell who's eligible, okay? You're going to have to be able to produce documentation as part of your application that not only are you one of falling in that criteria area, but you're going to have to show that you're active. So it's very important that you keep, that you file your annual reports because you're, if you're inactive, you're done, okay? You have to file your annual reports because you're going to have to submit proof that you're an active business, nonprofit, whatever you are, and probably submit a certificate of uh, status. The amount of time you've been in business, whether you have a criminal background, whether you have bankruptcy, um, that's important. And one of the bigger barriers that I see also is whether you're insured. Getting liability insurance is not easy, but you have to have it. So you're going to have to be insured. So some, those are some of the bigger items that they're going to um, ask that's going to help determine whether or not you're eligible for the grant. Again, there's over 40 operating tools and resources that I have been asked for. I've created that list and maintained that list over the years so I can always have them ready. They include 20 administrative and operating items, six financial items, nine programmatic items, and that's for nonprofit. Programmatic translates to pr products and services for for profit. And um, six staffing and HR uh, resources that they that you have to have. Again, you're going to have most very short time frames in most uh, instances to submit your application or your proposal. Every now and again, something will come out that'll give you 60 days, maybe. There's a few that comes out, you may have about six months, those, those federal grants and things, but a lot of the smaller grants, they don't have a really long turnaround time. So it's really important that you have everything done. I call it pre-work. Your pre-work has to be done. It has to be updated every year so that you are in a position on a constant basis to be responsive. In the, so I want to, let me go back and I want to, this little symbol that you keep seeing. Okay. That's, that's our little branding for grant and contract ready. So what we have done based upon the experiences I've had with small businesses and people coming and needing information, want to know how, about grants, how to write grants, can I get help writing grants, how do I look for grants. You, there needed to be a program to help small businesses become, be able to be responsive. So there's a lot of help out there with coaching, you know, and writing your business plan or pulling everything together. But what I kept seeing is I did do the research and I look at uh, opportunities. And I even, even when I look at webinars and things that are free, it gives great information, but the foundations of what you need in order to be able to follow those webinars and those tutorials and do the work, the foundations are not there whether it's the skill set or whether it's just the, the, the resources themselves or people even understanding what is that? What is that? And how do I do that? 
that's not there. So I work very specifically with people like us here in, these, in this room developing your foundation so that you can actually go and even start thinking about writing a grant or going to a bank or applying for a contract. You have to have the foundation. You have to understand what being responsive means. And then you have to be able to, to do it. So we work very specifically with that. So no single grant opportunity is going to ask you for all 40 plus items. I wanna reiterate that because I have a couple clients, they get frustrated because they're saying, why do I have to do all of this? And I'm saying, I'm not telling you you have to, I'm telling you it is in your best interest if you're going to be serious about seeking grant funds to have them all so that whenever an opportunity becomes available, you have a higher chance of being responsive. That's just it. You have to be prepared, okay? And every grant opportunity will request specific items. You don't know what it is until you read the, the announcement. Having everything readily available increases your capacity and maximizes the number of grants your business or organization can apply for annually. Okay, so a detailed statement of work slash work plan. That's one of the 40 items. This is the hardest part that I find that people have uh, with completing. The detailed statement of work is simply you telling me what you're gonna do. So when I ask people, I say, okay, so what do you want the grant for? They say, to start a business. No, what do you want the grant for? You need to be specific. There may be someone, I need money, I wanna, I wanna start a ministry or I wanna start a program. Okay, tell me about your vision. Well, I wanna help people. <laughs> okay. Can you give me a little bit more? Well, I want to feed the homeless. And I'm like, okay, that's a step. But we got 500 agencies in Brevard County feeding the homeless. Give me some more. I mean, you got you to be a, So that's what a detailed statement and work plan is. It's actually being able to right so someone can see and understand what you want to do, what your vision is about, what, what are your intended outcomes? What are you going to, well, how's the community going to benefit from what you're doing? Okay? That's the hardest thing I, for me to sit and pull that out of people. I know you thought about it. And I tell them, I say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to sit at the table with you and I'm, I, sometimes I'll go to McDonald's, I'll get something, and we just start talking. And I just start talking to them about stuff, and I get them to just ease up and just talk to me like I'm their friend. Because I know when you're at home, you're telling people everything you want to do. I need you to get there with me so I can understand. Yeah, it makes it easy because if you, can't, if you cannot tell me what you want to do, you cannot tell a funder what you want to do. So you are, again, you're out. 
This to me is the core. If you cannot communicate that, you, grants is not gonna be an avenue for you, okay? Neither is contracts, because you have to be able to tell them. Then, not only do you have to be able to do it in writing, there are many times with grants, especially when you're talking government grants, where you're gonna go and stand before the city council, you're gonna go stand before a grant committee, and you're gonna present this vision plan to them. They've read it, now they need you to come and talk about it, because they have some questions for you. Okay? Now, the part about the questions, they're going to go real deep because they have really analyzed what you've written. So now you got to be able to justify everything that you put on this paper. Okay? So with what I do, I prepare you for that. It takes a while, a long time. So there's commitment involved. But guess what? I always know who's for real. Because a couple months down the road, I don't, they gone. You don't see them no more. It's like, okay. So that's easy. That's, you know, it's an elimination process. And then those last couple that stands, you know you got, you got some people to work with now. They're going to fight. There's a couple of fighters. I've had more people drop than I've had stay. But those that stay, they sweating. They saying, Ms. Reason, I hate to see your name come up on my phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but when it's over, we're going to have something that we can go get some money with. Okay? So, um, so these things and every. This is important. This is important. Okay? So you have to really sit. You have to really, really sit and think about what you're saying you want to do. Again, everything, like, you, like I think it was you, Pastor Salter, that said, sometimes people are running businesses as for-profits, and they should be not-for-profit. Same thing, sometimes people have not-for-profits and they should be for-profits. So I have one person, one organization that challenges me constantly. It's not, he's not a client. I've been trying to work with him as a partner, but I, I don't understand why we haven't been able to develop a relationship just yet, but I think it's, so he has the most amazing social media uh, platform. If he, whatever he does is packed. I mean packed. He has a 501c3, but the things that he does screams for profit. And I'm telling him, I'm like, listen, you might want to really look at your structure and you have to determine what because you can't have you want the 501c3 because you want the grants but then you're going to turn around and use it in a for-profit uh, uh, fact fashion yes that's going to get you in trouble that's going to throw up some red flags so you got to be careful about what you do with that money once you get it so when you're looking to write a grant and this is kind of combined with both for-profit for and not-for-profit, you need to be addressing a need, 
you need to be providing a solution. You can, you can develop a product, service, or an app. Apps, products, most likely, yeah, you're going to be looking at either something like the SBIR, STTR program, or you're going to be looking at contracts, things of that nature. Again, you're going to have to make an investment in this. This is not something you're going to get somebody to just give you money for, okay? But whatever you do, it needs to be supported by research and or evidence. That's very important. So here's some examples. You're going to need to do data collection. We can use the internet and we can find articles, news reports. You can do experience and observation. There are clearing houses. Clearing houses is data that has been put together by different organizations. A lot of them are, are government-operated clearing houses. You can go and you can find out all types of information. Crime rate, you can find out just whatever. You can go to these clearing houses and you can search for what you need. But really, what I'm passionate about with small businesses is surveys, feasibility studies, focus groups, market testing, clinical trials, that's more for healthcare, okay? But we need to do some face-to-face, -face, get out there in the public, let them know what you're trying to do, let them taste it, let them feel it, let them see it, talk about it, get their feedback kind of stuff to include in your proposals, okay? That's time. That's money, so it's not free. And I'm saying these things because, again, people are asking, can you help me get a grant to start a business? It's going to cost you. They're not going to give money for you to do these things. These are things you have to invest in yourself to try to get the money and to show that you're invested in, what you're, in your project and that you have the capability of doing it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Wise Counsel. We hope that you were inspired, intrigued, and empowered. Do us a favor and be sure to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast outlet of choice. And don't feel shy to leave a critique. We're always looking to better ourselves for you, our listeners. Always remember you can get information from anywhere. But wisdom is the product of the intentional, the heartbeat of the intelligent, and the desire of the intrigued. Join us again right here for our next episode of Wise Counsel. Wise Counsel is a subsidiary of GT Salter and Company.